The following audio is from Gold Country Baptist Church in Shingle Springs, California. Visit gcb.church to find more resources and to learn about our church. Construction of that wall. God's people remembered what God had done for them. And their response was appropriate, wasn't it? They responded with joy, lifting their hearts out to God and offering thanksgiving for what he had done for them. This is where I get a little hung up, I confess, because the Apostle Paul calls us in Ephesians 5 to be thankful at all times and for everything. Yet I don't always have this feeling of joy. I confess I don't always feel joyful. A joyful heart should always be accompanying a thankful heart, shouldn't it? But what about the, the grieving heart? What about the heart that has endured much suffering? Are we being disobedient? Am I being disobedient if I'm not specifically experiencing joy? That's a question that I, I came, found myself pondering as I was hearing this message. So I looked up the, the Lexham Bible Dictionary's definition of joy. Here's what it said. It says that joy is an emotion closely related to gladness and happiness. However, it goes on to say that joy is more than a state of, is, is, more, is more a state of being than it is an emotion. Joy is more a state of being than it is an emotion. It's, it's the result of a choice that we make. We can choose, in spite of, or perhaps because of our life circumstances, we can choose to be joyful. Joy, therefore, doesn't always need to be an emotional response to something. I'm thankful for that. Our hearts can and should be filled with joy, not at our circumstances necessarily, but because of what Christ has done for us. And because Christ is working, we can be thankful, even in the midst of the trials of life. We can be thankful and yet grieving at the same time, can't we? We can experience a brokenness of heart, even a profound sense of sadness at our circumstances, of loss, perhaps, that we've experienced, and yet still be thankful for who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us and what he continues to do for us. That is where you're going to find true joy. When you can come to that place where you can recognize what Christ has done for you and continues to do for you. That he is working in all circumstances for what Romans 8.28 promises us. He's working in all circumstances for the good of those who love him. Think of someone who has lost a loved one this year. Maybe even recently. Maybe you have lost somebody recently. Someone close to you. And while you recognize that your loved one, we hope, is in a better place, he's, he or she is in the very presence of God, you also recognize that you will somehow never be the same again, right? You've been permanently and inextricably changed as a result of your loss. Is that you? Or perhaps you're struggling through a particular trial. For you or your loved one, this can be a time to grieve, and that's okay. That's okay. We can mourn those we've lost, and we can grieve for the trials we're experiencing, 
and the suffering that we're going through. But I, I believe that in amongst that suffering, there must be a joy. A joy that transcends our emotional experience. There must be thanksgiving. For the Christian, there must be thanksgiving. But you say, how could that be so? I mean, I, 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 how, how can I be expected to be thankful or worse, be joyful in difficult circumstances? When I'm in so much pain. There are people here in this room this evening who are experiencing mind-numbing, difficult circumstances. Well, the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about that. This was a man who knew how to be thankful in the midst of trials. This was a man who had experienced terrible circumstances at the hand of God. And yet he overflowed with thanksgiving, with joy. And I think it's worth taking a few minutes to figure out how that could be. How could it be that Paul could be thankful even in the midst of terrible suffering? How could he command us likewise to be thankful even in the darkest of trials? Because we know that they're going to come, don't we? If they haven't come yet, they will. If we are truly believers in Christ, we have been promised, guess what? Trials are going to come. Hard times are going to come. How can we be thankful in that? Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, if you would. Paul had been writing to the, the Ephesians about love and, and how to walk in love, imitating God, growing in Christ's likeness. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. That sounds like joy, doesn't it? Now look at verse 20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Specifically there, he says to give thanks how? Verse 20. He says to give thanks always. Give thanks always. So he says sometimes give thanks. You know, when you feel like it, when life is good. Sometimes we should experience the appreciation that we should for God and for what he's done for us. Occasionally, I might feel thankful. It's been a good month. I had a good sale last month. God has been good. I'm going to be thankful now. Somebody says, is it? He says to be thankful always. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Not just when life is good. Not just when the money is flowing and the kids are behaving themselves and little Joey's walking with the Lord and, and everything, everything, everyone thinks that we've got life figured out and all is rosy. Those are the good things, and we should be thankful for those things, right? We should be thankful when we have our health and the Lord is providing for us. But we're also to be thankful always, not just in the good times. So Paul helps us a little bit here, back to Ephesians 5. We're to thank him for what? What are we thanking for in verse 20? We're to thank him for everything, right? We're to thank him for everything. Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 2 of Colossians that as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding. Are you abounding in thanksgiving this evening? We're to have an abundance of thanksgiving. We're to overflow 
even be excessive in our thankfulness to God, our appreciation of Him. Well, you say, I don't feel very thankful right now. You don't understand the suffering I've gone through. You might be right. I may not understand or be aware of the suffering you're going through. But I know what God expects of us. And so do you. So the question then becomes, what does the word in Ephesians 5 verse 20 mean? Everything. What does that mean? What does it include? What does everything include? It includes, I don't know who said that, but it includes everything, doesn't it? Smart man back then. It includes everything. Turn with me to Luke 17. Luke 17 and verse 12, please. Jesus was making his way back to Jerusalem. He was traveling through Samaria and Galilee, and he comes across this group of lepers. Lepers were social outcasts. Terrible, contagious disease. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with the lepers, right? So verse 12 of Luke 17. As Jesus entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Mm. One thing worse than being a leper was being a Samaritan. Right? Mm. And Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, rise and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Of the ten lepers who were healed, only one came back. Only one returned to give thanks. Why? Why did only one come back of the ten? Because the other nine lepers sought Jesus out for what he could do for them. Right? For their own benefit. The Samaritan also wanted to be healed, of course. But he also sought Jesus' healing for God's glory. You can see that in verses 15 and 18. He came back praising God. His thankfulness, writes one theologian, was an expression of his trust in Jesus. His recognition that he was helpless in himself and that his healing was undeserved and entirely by the Lord's grace. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? This, this is the thankfulness that pleases God. We are to be thankful, how often? Always. And for what? Everything. To be thankful always in our daily lives means that we have to recognize God's control of our daily lives. Every detail as he works to conform us to the image of his son. A spirit of thanklessness reflects a disregard for God's sovereign control. Do you ever feel thankless? Do you ever feel disgruntled by your lot in life? When you feel that way, you're disregarding God's sovereign control and, and Christ's lordship. Do you see that? In fact, when God brings trials and suffering into our lives and we complain and we grumble, I've been guilty of that, we're questioning God's wisdom and we're questioning his love and we're challenging his sovereignty. We're sliding ourselves onto the throne and kicking him off or trying to. When life is hard and we think we deserve better, we're telling God that we know better than he does what is best for us. It's appropriate to be thankful when things go well, isn't it? 
when God is blessing us, but we should also be thankful in the suffering, even as Jonah, Job, and the Apostle Paul demonstrated so adequately. Paul was immersed in an impossible situation. At one point, he was in a Roman prison cell. He was awaiting trial, possible execution. And yet he was able to write to the Philippian church expressing thanks for their faithfulness and for the work God was doing and continuing to do in their midst. Indeed, Paul's letters have this unmistakable overtones, these overtones of thanksgiving. If you study his letters, you're going to see this gratitude, this thankful spirit toward the New Testament churches. And you're going to see it in at least six different ways. So this evening, I want to go through those six different ways that we can see Paul's thankfulness revealed to the churches. First, Paul was thankful for their faith. We see this over and over and over again. It was the first thing he wanted to say to the church in Rome. He writes, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. To the Ephesians, he wrote, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in our prayers, in my prayers. He was thankful for their faith. My friends, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for all of you. I'm thankful for your ministry to me. I'm thankful for your ministry to my family, to this church, for your faith in Christ, your faithfulness in following him. Wherever he leads you, life is hard. And you you guys are faithful. I'm thankful for your faith because I can see it in action. And I'm tremendously encouraged by your living testimony of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second, Paul was thankful for the love that they had for one another. He wrote to the Colossians, We always thank God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. To Philemon, he wrote, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love. And for the Thessalonians, he was thankful that they had an abundance of love for one another. You can see how how faith and love are so closely tied together in those passages. Over and over again, he's saying, I'm thankful for your love. I'm thankful for your faith. I'm thankful for your love. I'm thankful for your faith. Third, Paul was thankful for their steadfastness, especially in trials. Especially in trials. The church in Thessalonica, I got it, had suffered terrible persecution. But they maintained their hope and their faith in the Lord. And Paul wrote to them, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. That steadfastness was there because of the trials they were going through. They were steadfast in hope despite terrible, unthinkable circumstances. My friends, people are watching. A little bit creepy perhaps, but they are. People are watching. And and they're watching you. And they're encouraged when they see your steadfast faithfulness. Your thanksgiving. Even in suffering, perhaps especially in suffering, we can and must be thankful for what God is doing in our lives. People are watching. People see it and they're encouraged by it. Fourth, Paul was thankful to God for the spiritual gifts of those in the church. He wrote to the Corinthians, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you are enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's 
statement here, God's provision is endless. His provision is endless. He gives us the spiritual gifts we need to sustain this church until he returns. To sustain his church until he returns. We can be thankful for that. Amen. We have many gifts and all of those gifts are crucial for the functioning of the body of Christ. Just as our human bodies have parts that are needed, unnecessary. And so Paul therefore exhorted his readers to use those gifts. God has gifted us all differently, and yet we come together as a body to work together for our Lord, to worship him. Fifth, he was thankful for their partnership in the gospel. He wrote to the Philippians, I thank my God always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This unity was threatening the congregation in Philippi. And yet Paul was greeting them with warmth, sincerity. He could have come down on them with a rebuke, but he starts by thanking them because of their partnership in the gospel. His thankfulness never wavered. He was thankful every time he remembered them, he says, in part because of their affection for one another. And that affection was rooted in their shared experiences. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? It's one thing to bond over joyful fellowship, and that's sweet. You know, the, the fellowship meals we share together They're sweet, and I'm thankful for them. But nothing compares to the bonding that takes place as a result of suffering. Sixth, and finally, he was thankful for their history and their mutual affection. He writes to his protege, Timothy, I thank God as I remember you constantly in my prayers, day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Isn't that sweet? As I remember your tears, he says, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Is that your heart for God's people today, tonight? Is that your heart towards your brothers and sisters in Christ here at Gold Country Baptist Church and beyond? Paul's charge to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 is to give thanks in everything for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That's a high calling. We can only do it if we're truly and genuinely satisfied in Christ, honoring him and submitting to him in the easy times and in the hard times. The easy times are easy, right? It's easy to submit to God in the easy times. It's easy to thank God when life is good, when there's no hardship, no suffering, but praising God and giving him thanks when times are hard is much more difficult. So how is Paul able to do that? How was Paul able to thank God for everything and always do so? My friends, to be able to thank God for all things, especially in the hard times, you need to prepare yourself during the times of plenty, during the times of blessing. You need to be able to submit to God's sovereign rule over your life. Being able to say with Job, I trust you, Lord. Even when everything in your life is falling down around you, even when everything hurts, You need to be able to say, I trust you. True thanksgiving, writes Jerry Bridges, is an admission of dependence. We're dependent on God for our physical needs, and we're dependent on God for our salvation. Everything we are and everything we have, we owe to him and his bountiful grace. Those lepers in Luke 9 didn't simply forget to come back 
to thank Jesus for healing them. They weren't making a plan to send a group email message or something. They were fundamentally ungrateful. We must cultivate a spirit of gratefulness, of gratitude for all that God has done for us in Christ, even when the hard times come upon us. The basis for our thanksgiving, my friends, is God's sovereignty. Ultimately, it's his wisdom. It's his love. God is at work in all things, in all of our circumstances for our good. Can you believe that to be true? Sadly, oftentimes we only truly come to that place of recognizing the true depth and extent of that promise to us when life is hard, when times are hard. And and God will bring those times into our lives to make sure that we are aware of those things. God is at work in all things, all circumstances, for our good. Friends, Romans 8.28 isn't just a promise for the good times. God works all things together for good for those who are called by Him for those who love him. We can therefore thank him and have a spirit of thankfulness even for the hard things. I have a dear friend who lost his son recently. And and the one thing that keeps coming through my conversations with him, his teenage son died and and, and he is so thankful that God was, 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 had blessed them with some good months before that death. He's able to be thankful. I don't know if he could have predicted that before his son passed away. But today he knows it to be true. He is thankful that God is a good God in spite of difficult things. We can thank God in all things only because all things work together for God's glory and for our good. Amen? Let me pray. Father, thank you for the true and and amazing truth that, that that you are working all things together for good. You are working all things, the hard things, the good things, the joys of life for our good. And it goes on in Romans 8 to tell us what that good is. And that good is Christ-likeness. We are growing in Christ-likeness and faithfulness even as you bring these difficult things into our lives. We can be thankful because we know that we can trust in you. We can rest in you. We can rest in your sovereignty. And so, Father, thank you for that truth. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name.